Bible study we I'd like to share a thought with you, a quote that I found. It reads like this. Christianity began as a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When it went to Athens, it became a philosophy. When it went to Rome, it became an organization. When it went to Europe, it became a culture. And when it went to America, it became a business. Now, sadly, I find this quote very true indeed. And as much as I strive for the personal relationship model, I usually end up very close to the philosophy model. As far as the organization, culture, and business part of it goes, sour grapes all around for me. As much as I believe in the philosophy of Christianity, I struggle to functionally have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our society is filled with sermons and songs and corny wall plaques that remind us that we should love Jesus, we should love God, and that our relationship should be that of a friend. It's not so much about the conversation. It's not like I struggle with using the King's English when I pray. No, I pray with the same accent and slang that I'd use to order a bowl of chili. As a side note, if you find yourself in Springfield, Missouri, you've got to try the chili at Casper's Chili Parlor. It's on the corner of Walnut and Main. You'll thank me later. Now let's move on. I've heard people speak of falling in love with Jesus. I've even seen folks that I honestly believe had a closer relationship with Jesus than with their own parents or their siblings or their spouse or anybody. I'm just not sure how they got there. Maybe it's a matter of imagery. I mean, I can't really say that I've ever fallen in love with another guy. So maybe if all this Jesus imagery was in the form of a six foot five Hispanic woman who spoke with a Russian accent, maybe I'd have an easier time. Now, in accordance with my trust issues, I have difficulty having a relationship with God in the same way that I'd find it difficult to carry on a relationship with someone who had died and was no longer tangibly present right here in my physical life. I wonder who had a harder time. Now the disciples, they had a physical, tangible man to talk to, hang out with, eat with, walk with. However, the consequences of being a Christian were a bit more extreme then than they are now. And honestly, I can't remember the last time I witnessed any beheadings or stonings or crucifixion or the like right here in America. Here, it's more of a social consequence. And the social consequences of being a Christian are now usually little more than just mild annoyance and frustration. Now, I would surely enjoy having a physical, tangible man to direct all my questions to, preferably over a bowl of Casper's chili. Okay, I digress. Now, I guess my struggle is with trying to relate to someone like Superman in the same manner that I'd have a casual conversation with a simple farm guy like Clark Kent. This is an unlimited being that I have trouble comprehending to begin with, much less asking to help me with a little bit of yard work, okay? So part of me wonders if I would believe it, even if it was granted to me, even if 
Jesus were to come back right here, right now, as a physical man, right here in front of me, and sat down to talk to me, would I even buy it? Because so I'll be honest with you, usually if a somebody shows up on my porch and claims to be God incarnate, uh, here to help me with all my issues and answer all my questions in life, uh, they're usually met with skepticism and a straitjacket and a door slammed in their face. That said, I continue to work toward this goal, and when I'm asked about my beliefs, I usually say that I'm trying to be a follower of Jesus. Now, I say trying because I'm not really sure that even with the best of intentions that all my human faults are going to keep me from ever really attaining or accomplishing true Christianity, if you want to use that word. Okay? I struggle with it daily. When I was a little kid growing up, we used to sing this song called Ain't It Grand to Be a Christian. I'm not going to sing it for you. You can turn the volume back up. It's fine. Now, folksy exemption from the rules of grammar aside, I have problems with the implications of some of the verses in this song. On the surface, it kind of implies that by becoming a follower of Jesus, that your days of struggle are erased from existence, and you get a ticket to free ridesville, complete with rainbows, unicorns, and entire groups of people bursting out into joyful song and dance throughout the streets, like in a Disney movie. Okay? Well, perhaps my experience has been, yet again, of the anomalous variety here, but in the words of my grandpappy, don't pee down my leg and tell me that it's raining. Now, my grandpappy also gave me other little nuggets of wisdom, usually in reference to what foods, if consumed to excess, would plug my hole. But again, I digress. I found that the harder I work to try to follow all the rules of Christianity, both the written ones and the unwritten ones that other people make up themselves, the more I struggle in life. It seems like the few times that I kind of strayed from the path, they were like a smooth ride. They were easy going. Now, all of that seems to point to my current state of frustration with organized religion and with some of its followers. It just seems to set its followers up for failure. And then, when they fail, it teaches them to bear false witness or lie about it and not really disclose their true experience in life. We're trying to become better at this, and it's a rough go. So what happened to this kind of simple honesty? Just drop all that holier-than-thou persona crap and be real. Work together. Now, as a side note, persona that we just talked about, Pair means through, sona means sound, and it comes from the mask that was worn on stage by the actors in the early days. And as sound would go through this megaphone-like mouth hole in the mask, it would be amplified so that people could hear them. Second side note, the word parson also comes from the root a mask. Kind of funny. Or maybe it's not. Now let's get back to this trying to be a follower of Jesus business. Why? Well, I'm sure that everybody could give a different answer here, but 
in light of my rant on honesty just now, my answer is a pretty simple one, although not a pretty one. I've been told all my life that I should love God, that I should want to love God. Well, I do want to love God. Why? Well, plain and simple, fear. Fear stemming from the fact that I do believe everything that the Bible has to say, not just the feel-good quotes that are printed on bookmarks and greeting cards, okay? Fear that I might not be enlightened enough to understand the true interpretation of these scriptures. Fear of eternal punishment. Fear of not becoming that which I was born to become. Fear of a lot of things. Now, that said, is this good enough? Is this a good enough reason? Well, I'm not sure. It's kind of like saying that I know I'm selfish and I'm prideful, and I know that I should not be selfish and prideful, so I want to be less selfish and prideful. Why? Well, because I would, as a selfish and prideful person, feel more proud of and love myself more if I were able to accomplish it. Okay, you see the problem that I have there? Okay, you see the point. Now, as one who has a hard time maintaining a personal relationship with God, I tend to lean more toward learning about God. You know the whole adage of one becomes interesting by becoming interested and such? Yeah, that's kind of my thought here. So, in a similar way that you might check up on a girl that you like before asking her out, I find myself studying a bunch of religious texts and listening to teachers and preachers and kind of trying to figure out about this God before I try to strike up a real relationship, okay? Now, as I'm quite confident that I could never know enough, let alone too much about God, I don't really worry about knowing so much that I won't have anything to talk about or, or that it's going to uh, get in the way of the opportunity to talk to God in person if the opportunity were to present itself. In fact, on my path here, I spent some time with a Zen master, and I asked him one day if he could teach me about Zen, and he declined and said, there's nothing to teach or learn. I was confused. I, I'm like, what? So he gave me a cup of tea. Now, I accepted the tea, but I didn't drink it because it's too hot. So while I was letting it cool, I asked again, because he was just sitting there quietly. I said, well, would you be willing to share your perspective on life with me? He proceeded to take the teapot again and pour more tea into my teacup. Now, slowly, as he was pouring it, he allowed the cup to overflow, and now it's all in the saucer, and then the saucer overflowed onto the table, and then the table overflowed onto the floor, and then he finally quit pouring and he sat the pot back down on the table. I was confused, I was, I was trying to figure out what happened here and I just looked at this guy for some kind of idea or some kind of explanation for why he just poured tea all over the place. And finally he said, like the cup, I was already kind of full of my own ideas about what Zen was, and therefore any new ideas that he was going to try to give me would simply just overflow and 
go all over the floor and be a waste. He said that I would first have to empty my cup so that I could be prepared for the new perspective that he could share with me. Now, I'm trying to use that same philosophy right here, right now, as I read the Bible. I try to let go of all my preconceived ideas about God, about the Bible, about the stories in it. I try to let go of years of indoctrination of ideas and concept and thoughts on certain verses and so forth. I try to let go of it. I try to look at it as somebody brand new coming to this book like it's the first time I've ever seen it in my life. But I also kind of wonder if in my search to know about God, I might sabotage my opportunity to know God. God bless and shalom. Bible Study Rehab.